Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Sally Irwin, and I'm an elder here at Church of the Palms. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Holy and faithful one, you appear before us daily. Teach us to receive you as a welcome guest and to delight in the fulfillment of all you have promised. With gratitude, we remember the generations that have gone before us. We celebrate the family tree of saints, which stretches back farther than we can see, connecting us with Abraham and Sarah and your ancient promises. O Lord, we gather this morning to praise you, for you are our God, the faithful one, and nothing is too difficult for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Would you please stand for the call to worship? We have come to the tent of the Holy One, the meeting place. Here we have an opportunity to rest and be refreshed for the remainder of the journey. Be welcome. We have come to the tent of the Holy One, the meeting place. Here we open our hearts to unlikely messages, our ears to receive confounding good news. Let us worship the Lord.
scripture tells us that if we confess our sin, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Trusting in that promise of God, let us pray our confession together. Living God, you invite us to make room within ourselves for the fulfillment of your promises, but we find it difficult to prepare ourselves for what seems impossible to us. We confess that we are inclined to doubt, so we choose our own way, close our eyes to the gifts around us, and cut ourselves off from our neighbors and from you. Even when we long to believe, we cannot. Forgive us, Lord, our unbelief. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. Hear the assurance and be at peace of God's forgiveness. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Now, as forgiven children of God, we affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us greet one another in Christ's name.
Welcome to worship this morning at Church of the Palms. Good to see you here today. Wanted to encourage you, if you're on the aisle side of the pew, to take the red friendship pad that's there and sign your name to it so we can have record of your presence here with us in worship this morning, especially if you're a guest. We would love to know that you worshiped with us today and how we might be in ministry together with you. There are a few announcements in the bulletin. Most of our announcements are contained in the monthly Connect magazine, and so would encourage you to go there. They're available online. They're available in the church office, and we ran out last week, but they should be available in the back of the of the sanctuary here once again today. Wanted to highlight a few announcements to keep you posted on some developments that are going on here around Church of the Palms. Uh, the first, I don't know if you heard about it or not, we had uh, just before the 11 o'clock service last week, uh, the fire alarm went off. And um, guess what we did? We stayed right where we were. <laughs> the violins kept playing and the, we just, the fire department was none too pleased with our response time. And so, um, so we're going to be um, brushing up on our fire procedures here. And so you can expect at some point in the not too distant future, at the end of a service, we'll sort of have a fire drill at the time we're about to leave, and then you can leave and pretend that there was a fire, and we'll do that in an orderly kind of a way. I assume the fire department didn't know who was in charge here? <laughs> <laughs> the, fortunately, the fire department are, they're our residents right there, right on our <laughs> land right here. We're the, we're the kind of the landlord, so they cut us some slack, <laughs> but, uh, but they advise us that our, we need to um, improve our response. So fortunately, it was a false alarm. That's the, that is the good news. So uh, looking, uh, looking ahead to the coming week, we've been announcing for uh, the last few weeks that we have a, a new ministry beginning, Koinonia for Singles. That's tomorrow evening. Dinner, movie, and discussion beginning at 6 o'clock over in the uh, campus center. Singles of all ages from 18 to 99. If you're over 99 and single, sorry, you'll have to find another singles group to attend. Then um, Wednesday, we'll, we will continue with our um, Wednesday dinners and Wednesday small groups. Dinner is at 5 o'clock in the campus center. Roasted chicken and all the fixings. Uh, reservations Tuesday by noon. Have a couple of um, major events coming up in, in the next few weeks. The Beth Moore simulcast uh, is for, from a women's ministry perspective, coming up on September the 26th, there is still time, one day, to register for that, ladies. Uh, the cost is $10, and that covers your lunch. Also, we have our next leadership forum coming up on October the 10th with uh, Reverend Rick Howell, the Executive Director of Samaritan Counseling Services, uh, serving as our keynote speaker focusing from a leadership perspective on growing in our interpersonal relationships and improving in our role as servant leaders. So would encourage you to be a part of that leadership forum coming up on October 10th. Please do take the time. Oh, one more. I almost forgot 
blood drive today. The blood drive is today. Give the gift of life. The blood mobile is in the northwest parking lot. With those announcements made, let us continue to worship God.
Today is a particularly joyful day in the life of our church family as we have the opportunity to recognize uh, new members. So I'd like to invite the new members who are here to come forward and join me here at the base of the chancel steps. Welcome to you. Would encourage you after the service to the, the new members will be waiting for you just on the, on the sidewalk leading to the tree in the courtyard. And if you would stop by, shake their hand, introduce yourself, and just add your own word of welcome. Because it is an exciting thing for us in that we believe, we recognize that as we, as we receive new members into our midst, that what is actually happening is that God is building us up as a family of faith, that, that each of these new members has talents and gifts and abilities that we were lacking before. And so today with these new members, we are more the family of faith that God intends for us to be. And so as we uh, recognize you this morning, I would do so by asking you these questions. Who is your Lord and Savior? Do you trust him? Do you intend to be his faithful disciple? And do you intend to be a faithful member of this church family? To you, the people who are Church of the Palms, having heard their affirmative responses to these questions, do you promise to do everything in your power to support them as we seek together to follow the leading of our Lord Jesus Christ? If so, please answer, we do. Amen. You've heard that affirmation. And so I wanted to add a word, my personal word of welcome. And we'll sit without name tags. I'm going by pictures here. So I am welcoming Diane and John Fruth. Welcome to you. Fruth, I said that correctly. Correct. Yes. Okay. And we have Eileen Thompson. Welcome, Eileen. Do you have any friends in the congregation at this point? I do have a daughter. You have a daughter. And her husband and family. And her husband and family. And they might be sitting right back there, the whole, Carol and Eric Holmeister and family. Welcome to you, Eileen. And we also have Patty Toms and George Toms. Welcome to you. And do you know each other? Your sisters, all right. Well, welcome to you both. And Charles Shank, Char Charles, welcome to you. Any family in the congregation? Okay, all right, just wanted to make sure. So it is, as I say, it is an exciting time to uh, recognize these new members. Let us pause to pray and ask God's blessing upon them and then join together in the Lord's Prayer at the conclusion. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your presence and activity in each one of our lives. Especially we are grateful for these new members, the talents and gifts and experiences that you have built into them so that they might serve you faithfully. We look forward to what you have in store for us as a church family together with their addition. We, uh, we are excited about what the future holds. We pray you'd pour your blessing upon each person and each family represented here. And may this be more and more known as the most loving place in town as we welcome, encourage, 
and support one another. Lord, we lift up these prayers in the name of the one who taught all of his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you very much. As the new members return to their seats, I would invite the ushers to come forward as we continue our worship in the giving of our tithes and offerings.
let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, in whom we live and move and have our being, we give you thanks for the freedom to worship you and all the gifts and blessings we receive from you each day. At this moment in worship, we bring back these tokens of our love to you so that they may be multiplied and used to make more disciples for the service of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated as our children and Lori come forward for a special time. Thanks, Mingy. So, you know, one of the things that I absolutely love about this church is that we're in this thing called the narrative lectionary, so we're all doing the same Bible passage. So what Pastor Bruce preaches about here comes from the same verses that Pastor Joe is preaching about in the garden and that I get to talk to you guys about in the children's moment and then in our small groups. But in one Bible passage, there are so many different themes. And so the theme that I chose for our passage in Genesis is hospitality. Does anyone know what hospitality means? It's kind of a big word. It, one of the meanings is welcome. That you're welcome here. That we put out the red carpet so that you feel welcomed. Now, here's an easier question. There is a fruit that means hospitality. Would anyone like to take a guess at the fruit? An apple, great guess. Apples are kind of around the Bible thing. Any other fruit? There's not a bad answer. There might be an incorrect answer, but there's not a bad answer. Any other fruit that you could imagine? Dig deep. I know you got one in you. A fruit. Oh, Sydney, thank you. What kind of fruit do you think might mean hospitality? Grapes, great guess. Anything else? All right, anyone like to guess a fruit? Oh, you're going to guess another one. Thank you. Orange. Orange, another great guess. I would give you candy just for guessing if I had some. Actually, oh, now, finally, thank you. Yes. A strawberry. A strawberry, really good guess. Now we're talking. Lemon. Ooh, lemon. All right, Anna. Starfruit. Starfruit. That is really good. Well, you're all wrong, but those are really, really good guesses. Look at this. A pineapple. A pineapple means hospitality, and I'll tell you why towards the end. First, let's go to Genesis, where we have Abraham and Sarah, and God has promised Abraham that he is going to be the father of a bazillion kids and grandkids and so on and so forth, right? There is a little bit of a problem, though, and that is that Sarah and Abraham are really, really old. Would anyone like to tell me how old their mother is? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So usually moms are in their 20s, 30s, or 40s when they have a baby. Well, guess what? Sarah's like, 90 or something, and Abraham's like 100 or something. Doesn't seem like this is going to happen. But then one day, here's where the hospitality comes in. Stick with me. There are these three strangers, made you look, that started coming towards their tent. You know what Abraham does? He's going to offer them the biggest hospitality that he ever has. He runs to them, and he's like, come with me, come with me. Here's some water to drink. Here's some water to clean your feet. And, oh, Sarah, use that best flour that we have and make up that really great loaf of bread that you make. And, and you know, the guy that takes care of all the, like, livestock, he goes, 
we're having steak tonight. Give me your best. So he gets all this together. He prepares this meal. He doesn't even know who these people are. And guess what? We think they might have been angels. At, there, at the very least, we think that they are messengers from God because here's what they say. They say, hey, guess what, Abraham and Sarah? You're going to have a baby. Well, it was kind of a laughing matter, and there was lots of laughter around that. But guess what? Nine months later, they had a baby, just like God promised. And we know that God keeps his promises, but that's not the theme today. The theme is hospitality. I don't want you to go running out to strangers and to be approaching them, but I wonder if you had a friend, a new friend, come to play at your house for a play date, how might you offer hospitality or help that person feel welcome? What could you do? What's one thing you could do if you had a play date with someone? Can you think of anything at all? Oh, thank you, Camille. Ask them if they want to have a snack. Love it. Ask if they want to have a snack. Yes, what have else? Have chocolate. Have chocolate. That is the kind of hospitality I'm expecting and enjoy. Welcome them in. Welcome them in. Yeah, Olivia. Share your toys. Oh, Olivia, girl after my own heart, that you share your toys, that you make them whatever you can to feel welcome. How about if they're at this church and you can tell that they've never been here before? Maybe you could show them where the children's bulletins are. Maybe you could invite them up to kids' worship with you. Maybe you could move over and give them your seat so that we help them feel welcome. All right, back to the pineapple. I've got to tell you a really quick story. Christopher Columbus, you know when he was around, sailing around, discovering lands where other people lived? He got to Guadalupe, and they noticed this strange thing, a pineapple, at the entrance of the village. They didn't speak the same language, and so what they realized then is that whenever someone put the pineapple out, it meant that you were welcome. It meant that you're a friend here with us. Well, they didn't even have a word for it, so when he went back to England, they named it a pineapple because it kind of looks like a pine cone, but the inside is juicy like an apple. So here's what I want you to do. When you see a pineapple, think hospitality think, how can I be kind and welcoming to someone around me? Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for loving us so much and for filling us up with that love. Help us to be kind and loving, because who knows, we might be doing that for an angel. Amen.
Please be seated. Our scripture reading for this morning is from the 18th chapter of the book of Genesis. I'll be reading the first 15 verses. I encourage you to follow along in your Bible or one of the pew Bibles on the rack in front of you. Before we read God's word, let us pray. Gracious God, we believe your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. So as we open the pages of Scripture today by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit in this place, shine forth your truth from the pages of Scripture so that we might not only hear but understand and be transformed by what you would teach us this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 18, beginning in the first verse, listen for the word of God. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Marmara as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Some people think laughter in church is inappropriate. Some people feel like church should always be a place where there is quiet and still and reverence in the air. But not everyone thinks that way. In fact, there are whole congregations who are talk-back congregations. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's in those congregations, it is expected, it's the norm that the congregation talks back to the pastor during the sermon. Have you ever been to one of those kind of churches? Yeah, I, good, thanks for talking back. I have too. <laughs> I have too. And so the, the pastor 
he was preaching to the church about the great plans that God had in store for them. And as he began the sermon, he drew on that great story in the Gospels about the four friends who carried the paralytic guy. They removed part of the roof and they lowered the paralytic on his mat in front of Jesus. And Jesus said to the man, take up your mat and walk. And the man walked. And the pastor said to the congregation, if we want to be everything God wants this church to be, we're going to have to take up our mat and walk. And the congregation called back, let it walk, preacher, let it walk. And so if you know those kind of churches, when the interaction comes, it adds energy, it adds enthusiasm to what the preacher is saying. And that was true in this case. The preacher got more excited as he made his next point. He was passionate when he invoked that great passage from Hebrews 12, when the writer talks about how we should lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely to run the race with perseverance that God has set before us. Run the race, the preacher called out, and the congregation said, let it run, preacher, let it run. And, then, and, and so the, the tension was building, the excitement was mounting, the preacher continued. He was inspired, and so he reached way back to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, and he invoked that great passage where we will mount up on wings like eagles. And he said to the congregation, if this church is to be the great church that God intends it to be, we will need to mount up on wings like eagles. We will need to have our strength. You've got to say strength when you're preaching, right? We will need to have our strength renewed. We will fly. And the congregation said, let it fly, preacher, let it fly. He was ready for the big clothes. And so he took him back to the Gospels when Jesus encountered the rich young ruler. And he told that rich young ruler that he wanted to inherit the kingdom of God. He would have to sell all of his possessions and give them to the poor. And the preacher said, if this congregation wants to be the great congregation the Lord desires it to be, we're going to have to sell our possessions and give the money to the Lord's work. And there was silence <laughs> until a lone voice called out, let it walk, preacher, let it walk. Well, the good news is we're going to uh, continue. We're only in our second week of our sermon series entitled Prepare the Way of the Lord, and we're going to continue walking through the book of Genesis this morning. Our focus is on Abraham and Sarah and God's promise to them to make of them a great nation and through them to bless all the peoples of the earth. If you were here last week when we began, you may remember that we looked at the second chapter of Genesis, the creation account there, and connected that, the, the beautiful beginning of God speaking the world into existence, of his close relationship with humankind, with the image of the ending in Scripture. Revelation 21, how it's described as the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth, God making his home among mortals, bringing God's plan full circle, restoring things to the way they were in the beginning. And 
the point that we were making is one of the purposes of this series is to help each one of us, given the end toward which all creation is moving, to prepare the way of the Lord, to prepare our hearts and minds and lives. So today we do that by focusing on the story of Abraham, or as his story begins in Genesis chapter 12, he's known as Abram. When God spoke to him and said to gather up his family and to leave the place he had called home for his whole life and go to a land, God would show him. And so Abraham, Abram did just that. He journeyed to the land that God showed him, the land of Palestine, and, and after settling there for a brief period of time, there was a famine, and so Abram and Sarai, his wife, and their extended family, they had to go down to Egypt for the famine, and when the famine was over, they went back to the land God had shown them. And by that point in time, Abram and Lot had accumulated such wealth, so many flocks and so many herds, they couldn't live near each other in the land. They had to separate. And so God once again spoke to Abram, and he promised to protect him. He showed him in Genesis 15, he showed him the stars of the sky. He told Abram that one day his descendants would be more numerous than all of the stars in the sky. Genesis tells us that Abram believed the promise of God and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. But by this point in the story, Abram and Sarai, they were, they were getting older and they still didn't have any children of their own. And so they, they began to think, well, well, maybe we're supposed to be more active in this idea of, 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 of having children. And so Sarai gave her slave girl, Hagar, to Abram. And Abram and Hagar had a son together. His name was Ishmael. Ishmael was not the child of the promise that God had spoken of. We learn that, that the Ishmael's birth is in Genesis chapter 16. We learn that he was not the child of the promise in Genesis 17 because God once again speaks to Abram. And he reminds him of his promise to make Abram the father of a multitude of nations. In fact, God changes Abram's name to Abraham at that point in the story because Abraham means just that, the father of many nations. And God says to Abraham that his wife Sarah is going to have a child. It's recorded in Genesis 17, verse 17. Here's what the Lord says. Uh, here's how Abraham responds to the, Lord, uh, the Lord's word to him. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Can Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And then God responds to Abraham in verse 19. Your wife, Sarah, shall bear a son, and you shall name him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. God tells Abraham to name the child that will be born to Sarah, Isaac. Any idea what Isaac means? He laughs. Laughter. God named Isaac, in effect, 
chuckles. Genesis chapter 17, that's where the laughter begins. And that's where we picked up the story this morning in the 18th chapter of Genesis. When these three mysterious and unnamed visitors come to visit Abraham and Sarah in their encampment at the Oaks of Marmor. Now, maybe you noticed as we read the passage to begin with, there were some interesting things in the first few verses. Did you notice how deferential Abraham was in showing hospitality to these strangers? And, and did you notice that in all of the actions that the Bible describes Abraham taking, there's a, an urgency to them. There was a, a hurriedness there. When Abraham saw them approaching, he ran to them and fell down on his face before them. And then he hastened into the tent and told Sarah to make bread for them. And then he ran to the herd to pick out a choice calf to be prepared for their meal. This, this deference, this sense of urgency is intended to communicate to us that something important is about to happen, that these visitors are special. In Genesis 18, verse 9, the pace slows. The spotlight shifts to the three visitors. Verse 9, they inquire about Sarah. Verse 10, one of the visitors says, to Abraham, speaking God's promise, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. Now, Sarah was uh, eavesdropping on the conversation from inside the tent, and Scripture tells us that she laughed. Because this promise that the visitor was speaking was ridiculous. Because Sarah already knows what the Scripture tells us. She was way beyond menopause. She, the, the thought of having a child had ceased to be a hope for her years and years ago. There was just no way at this point in her life that promise was going to come through. It was such a ridiculous statement that all Sarah could do was laugh. So here was this faithful elderly couple. They had been obedient to the Lord. They had followed where God led decade after decade after decade. And God gave them this amazing promise that they would be the parents of a multitude of generations. And in their old age, they didn't even have one child. The key sentence in the entire passage is found in verse 14 when this question is asked. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? You see, that was the key question for Abraham and Sarah to answer about what they believed. 
That's a key question for you and for me. When the rubber meets the road, when it comes right down to it, when life gets difficult, when we face one of those crossroads times in life, do we really believe that God can do what he says he's going to do? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? How will we answer that? Please don't misunderstand the issue here. The issue in in this text is definitely not, it's not a promise that God's going to give us whatever we want because life doesn't work that way. No, the key point in this text is that when God wills something to happen, it will happen come to pass. No matter how unreasonable, no matter how ridiculous, no matter how unlikely it may seem to us, God's will will happen. And we can see that in Abraham and Sarah's life. We just have to turn over to the first few verses of Genesis 21 to see how it turned out. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son whom Sarah bore him, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Sarah laughed, not because she had heard a promise for the future that was too ridiculous to believe. No, she laughed because she was experiencing a present reality that was better than anything she had ever imagined. God does that sometimes. God's promises are fulfilled and it is beyond anything we could have dreamed for. It's amazing, it's unexpected, it's ridiculous and all we can do in response is laugh. It's happened that way for me. Forgive me if, I've, if you've heard this part of my story before. It has to do with the circumstances of leaving a perfectly good career in information technology to go to seminary to become a pastor. It was a difficult decision for my wife Cindy and me. It took us about three years as a couple in order to uh, start that process. And um, at that time, we were uh, living in uh, Central Florida. We loved it there. We didn't particularly ever want to move, but we figured if if God was calling me to ministry, then we at least needed to check out seminaries. And, and we assumed that since we loved the southeastern U.S., that God would at least be reasonable enough, if we, he was going to send us to seminary, that we would go to Columbia Seminary in the Atlanta area. And so uh, that's where we figured we'd go. But before visiting Columbia, where we were going to go, we thought we would have a practice 
visit. We thought we would check out another seminary just so I could sort of work out the kinks in my interviewing skills with admissions people and, and professors. And, and so we went to visit a seminary in a place I'd never heard of before, Dubuque, Iowa. So we went to Dubuque in September and we were impressed by what we saw. It was a nice place. The, there was a real sense of community there. The faculty was strong. We liked the housing options and we thought, wow, if Dubuque is this good, imagine how good it's going to be when we get to Columbia. And so the next month we went to Columbia to visit and we were expecting it to be just amazing and it wasn't. It wasn't. And so when we left Atlanta, we were confused. We didn't know what God was calling us to do. And I, I turned and, and I, I said to Cindy, you know, I think we can just gut it out for three years. Seminary's not that long. It's only a period of time. We've got to go to Columbia and just, and just be tough for three years. And my Orlando-born Florida native wife who wanted to stay in Florida said to me, no. No, if God's calling us to Dubuque, Iowa for seminary, we need to go to Dubuque, Iowa. A few hours later, we pulled off the road in Gainesville, Florida to get a bite to eat at McDonald's. But our son, our toddler son, Will, uh, stretched his legs on the playland. And while we were on that playland, we ran into the nurse who had taught our Lamaze class before Will was born a couple of years previous. And and at that particular day, at that particular time and place, she and her family, her husband was a pastor who was called to a church, from his church in Florida, to a church in Ohio, and we crossed paths right there, McDonald's Playland, Gainesville, Florida. What are the chances? We had a conversation, and that circumstance and that conversation confirmed. God was calling us to go to Dubuque, Iowa for seminary, for me to be a pastor, all I could do was laugh. So the key question is, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Sarah's laughter says no. Abraham's laughter says no. What do you say?
as this service ends and when you go from this place. Go with God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, now and forever. Amen.